1: Thank you so much for listening to the show. One thing that would be really helpful is if you subscribe to the show. Like, go to whatever app you're listening to and click subscribe. It's really that easy. It helps the show get seen. It helps these stories get heard. And it helps people hear the ally that we know. Thank you. Okay, here's the episode. What did you have for lunch today?
0: Arroz blanco, estilo de mi mamá.
1: Are we speaking in Spanish today? No. I mean, I'm cool with that. (laughs) This is my mom, Eluteria Hernández. Her friends call her Ellie. She's one of my best friends, a big homie, big sister, and so much more.
0: I made rice the same style as my mom used to make it. Usually, you know, when we eat white rice, it's just white. Pero mi mamá will put a little bit of milk and onion and garlic and one chile and it's really delicious not a lot of milk just a little drop
1: my mom and i are sitting in her sister's room in huntington park we're in my aunt's room because she has these two tiny white dogs that never stop barking and a blue macaw that never stops talking there's at least 50 different religious candles around me and pictures of different santeria saints that my aunt keeps by her bed There's also the remains of a green apple on the dresser. My mom's hair is almost fully white at this point in her life. And she's wearing these cool pink and black Nike running shoes that I bought her a few months ago.
0: My mother, whenever she felt sad, she will sing. And whenever she was happy, she will have a beer. She was not a borracha, no, but she will have a beer. Really? Uh huh. And she was an activist.
1: But this isn't just a trip down memory lane. This whole show is about my relationship to this city. And I wouldn't be here if my mom hadn't decided to make L.A. her home, too. It's been a while since we sat down and spoke like this, but it feels like everything, for me, begins and ends with my mom. This is California Love, and I'm Alter.
0: I still remember I was about five or four years old and in our neighborhood we didn't have a, an elementary school so all of the kids will have to walk almost a kilometer to go to the elementary school in the downtown area so my mother organized all of the mothers from the neighborhood we all walked from our neighborhood to the city hall, La Presidencia. All of the women were walking, protesting to talk to the president of the, uh, the alcalde del, del Pueblo so that he could build a elementary school in our neighborhood. I was like four or five, but I felt so Powerful, so proud of my mom because my mom was the organizer. I was in the front walking with all the kids and the mom, my mom was holding my hand. I feel like my mom is chingona. <laughs>
1: what do you think your life would have been like if you would have stayed in Magdalena?
0: I would have probably now look really old, have a lot of kids, no husband,
1: why no husband?
0: Because I, I don't think I will be able to, to stay with someone who didn't treat me right, yeah. who was having kids all over town. The only available men in the town were the narcos. So probably I would have married a narco guy, honestly. And probably I would have gotten involved with selling drugs And probably I would have been in jail. A lot of my friends, female friends, that's what they did.
1: My mom was 14 years old when she was sent away from Magdalena, Jalisco. Her older sisters were already living in L.A., and she left to join them. She filled up a light blue suitcase with all her things and left home for the first time. So why do you think my grandma, your mom, why do you think it was important for her to send you to L.A.?
0: so that I could have a better future. She didn't have a happy marriage life, but she was so Catholic. She was so spiritual that she couldn't leave my father. She didn't want that for me.
1: Do you remember the day that you left for LA for the first time?
0: I was sad, and I remember we took a picture. I put on very nice clothes. White suit with white top. Very elegant. Because, you know, when you take a plane, you had to dress nice. That was the mentality. Not comfortable shoes, not comfortable dress. No, 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 it was a suit. My father didn't give me the bendicion because he was really upset I was coming to the United States. So I came without his blessing. I lived in Belle, California with my sisters.
1: What was your first impression of LA?
0: A lot of traffic and a lot of people. I never seen so many different people in my whole life. So for me, I used to be like Mirona, you know, like looking at people, like to see how they look like, you know, Asian people, people from Africa, Cubans, people from Spain, you know, so they were very different from me, and that was nice. I didn't like the fact that I was far from my mom, but I knew I had to sacrifice that. But it was nice to, I felt like I was wealthy.
1: Why why did you feel like you were wealthy?
0: Because only wealthy people would go to uh, different countries to study. So even though I was living with my sisters, I felt like, oh, soy rica. (laughs) Vine a otro país a estudiar inglés.
1: My mom went to Bell High School, a city in Southeast LA. She was in the 10th grade.
0: I was taking only ESL courses, English as a second language. We used to watch I Love Lucy. That's how I learned English. And it was really interesting to understand the, uh, the Cuban guy. How dare you say that to me? Ricky <laughs> Ricardo. Oh, Ricky. Ricky. <laughs> but you know, My level of comprehension was a little limited, but I was ready for the challenge. Then uh, on my second semester, I got into tennis. And guess what? What, mom? You're not going to believe this. What happened? I wanted to be a cheerleader.
1: Hold on. You've never told me this before. So you also wanted to be a
0: cheerleader? Yes, because they look so cute with the little skirts and they were so popular and I wanted to follow the Archie, you know, the, the, the comic book. But I was not selected. I was a little gordita, I couldn't jump and then my English was very limited. Damn. I know. But I still remember one cheer At the beginning of the world, nobody knew how to, except the Eagles. (laughs) Wait,
1: wait, wait, no. Is is there more? (laughs) Wait, no wonder you didn't make it.
0: (laughs) Nobody knew how to, except the Eagles. (laughs) Wait,
1: I mean, mom, no wonder they didn't select you, because you don't remember... The cheers, you know, I'm not mad at them for that.
0: It was 40 years ago, okay, so please give me a break. (laughs) My impression of the American life was Archie. My introduction to the American life, quote unquote, American life, was Archie. So for me, being a cheerleader was the biggest accomplishment. Maybe if I have a granddaughter, she will be a cheerleader.
1: When she was a senior, she and a close friend went to see their guidance counselor. They wanted information about how to apply to college.
0: The counselor told us that since we were ESL students, because we were still classified as ESL students, we were better better off going to a trade school. And we left very sad. He wanted to be a doctor. And he said, I'm gonna apply Two colleges. And I said, me too. We went to the Career Center and we submitted applications. I was admitted to several schools, but I was not ready. My English was still limited and I was afraid to go to college. So I decided to go to a community college, Los Angeles Trade Technical College, right there on Grand and uh, Washington Boulevard. I took all of the courses to transfer because my goal was to transfer, to become an engineer. So that's what I did. I played tennis there and uh, I was a very good tennis player. So I met uh, um, a tennis player in, in the team.
1: She's talking about my dad. We
0: became the number one Uh, mixed doubles uh, couples in a community college. We fell in love and uh, we were dating and then he went to UCLA, he transferred to UCLA and then I transferred to UCLA. We had a very nice relationship. Our whole uh, life was around tennis uh, like on the weekends when we were not playing any tournaments. We would play in the um, Huntington Park, Salt Lake Park, mm-hmm. and uh, play tennis the whole day. Or we would go to Rancho Park and play tennis the whole day. Being the, the only non-black around the African, Afro-American uh, tennis circuit, was hard because the girls would look at me like, what are you doing with my man? So it was hard uh, because I was Mexican. I am Mexican. And he was black and he was very good looking.
1: How'd the relationship end?
0: I still remember very clearly when I went to see him at his job at uh, Fox Hill Mall. He used to work in a shoe store. I dressed really nice, muy bonita, muy elegant. I was already three months and a half, four months pregnant. And he said, I know I I cannot be a father right now. So I said, well, thank you for letting me know. I'm gonna have my child. That was the end of our relationship.
1: So my dad says, this is a really simplified version of what happened. And he wasn't around when I was growing up. But we reconnected when I was 23. Stories have multiple versions. But this episode is about my mom. My mom was pregnant with me when she was going to UCLA. She was first studying to become an engineer. But then dropped that major and chose literature instead. So I was taking math,
0: calculus, thirty-one B or thirty-one C. Don't remember. So I used to sit in the front of the of the lecture hall because that was the closest for me to like you know I could move the the, the table so that I would fit because I was big. So oh my god, every time I was got into this particular lecture. You will start kicking me and moving all over. So I couldn't even (laughs) stay put in the seat. I had to get up and walk around so that you could be happy.
1: Why do you think I was doing that?
0: (laughs) Because you didn't like numbers.
1: (laughs) I was like, get me out of here now. (laughs) My mom had me when she was a junior in college and then started contemplating dropping out. We didn't have a lot. We lived in Huntington Park with my aunts and uncles and cousins. Everyone picked up cardboard boxes in the city of Vernon and took them to the recycling center for money. That's how we survived.
0: After you were born, I was on welfare, I was receiving food stamps and all of the benefits from the government. So I decided that uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be the stereotype that, oh, single moms are always leaving off the government. So I wanted to, um, I decided that I was going to quit UCLA and just go to work. However. I still remember very clearly. I was coming back from—I um, don't remember where I was coming back, but we were in the bus number 60, coming from downtown to Huntington Park, and it was around three, four o'clock. And all of the ladies, todas las señoras, they will get on the bus really tired, and they would just fall asleep because you know they were coming out of the factories. And I said to myself, no, I'm not gonna quit. To me, college was something that my son was gonna be proud of me. And I knew he was gonna be proud of me even if I had become a factory worker, but I wanted more. So I decided not to quit and go back, still receive benefits from the government. But as soon as I could, I was off welfare. It was not easy, but it was my goal, and I made it.
1: I am so proud of you, Mom. You have no idea.
0: (laughs) Thank you, mijo. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play.
1: We moved to the west side in 92 because of the uprisings and because it was easier for my mom.
0: I wanted to be closer to school and I wanted better schools for you. My whole family was against that idea, but uh, I needed to become a grown-up. I needed to be independent. I remember the first night we went to the supermarket in the white neighborhood in the west side and... You and I were the only brown people in the supermarket. It was late in the afternoon and everybody was looking at us or maybe it was just my assumption that everybody was looking at us. So I felt really weird.
1: You were really active with like demonstrations and, and hunger strikes and protests, you know, like when we moved to the West side and, and I'm wondering if, if my grandma you know, if her early activism, if that inspired you in any way?
0: Yes, I was very involved with a lot of protest. My friends used to say that if I will see a protest, I will stop and support them, even though I didn't know what the cause was. And I feel like I have always been like that since my mom took me to to those demonstrations in the presidencia.
1: Why was it important to to take me to those?
0: I I would take you everywhere. What (laughs) what else? I didn't have a babysitter, so there was no choice, mijo. No, but it was important for you to, to learn about las injusticias out there, social injustice. So it was important for me that you were aware of that.
1: You remember any demonstrations that you took me to?
0: course the most important one the hunger strike uh, at ucla they wanted to to dismantle the chicana chicano studies program and all of the students the brown students black students american indian students the few of them Islamic students asian students we all got together and uh, organized ourselves so we left from La Placita Olvera all the way to UCLA, walking. <laughs> so there was another group coming from Loyola. There was another group coming from Northridge and it was so much fun. It was so beautiful to, to walk down uh, Wiltshire Boulevard. There is a point in Wiltshire Boulevard when it's a little higher, like a little hill, and where you could look back and see the the, the waves of people. It was like an ocean of people walking and walking and walking. And it, you know, when you are in a PhD program, you have to do all of that. Because if you just go there to get an education and you don't get involved, you know, what's the point?
1: What about LA now feels special to you?
0: taking the metro, taking the bus, but especially the metro. That's where I met so many beautiful people. And I also uh, have guided so many parents, moms and dads, how to help their kids in high school, how you know I connect them with the students, I guide them. I don't even know them, but I'm, I'm a mentor <laughs> in the metro.
1: Like a metro mentor.
0: Oh, I like that. Metro Mentor, <laughs> MM. I'm an MM.
1: You're an MM. A big reason why I wanted to interview you was because so much of what I know about LA is through you, right? Like it's through the experiences that, that you first um, helped me learn about. So I, I felt like it was, I felt like it was really interesting to to ask you questions. You know, to to kind of bring it like full circle. You know, like in the sense where it's like I'm really coming back home to like le- learn more about my city but I'm also coming back home to learn more about you.
0: Well, thank you for giving me credit that you know the city through me, but we never left. We never left Huntington Park. We never left Southeast because I found out that the markets in the West side were very expensive. So I would come back to Huntington Park to go to the market here. I would come back also because my mother was here at that moment. We would come back on Friday night, stay in the uh, um, Southeast for the weekend. And we were able to, like, come back home and be able to combine the two worlds.
1: You know... I don't know if I would be a writer or a journalist if it wasn't for my mom. What parts of yourself do you see in me?
0: You know where you, what you've been doing lately. And I don't want to give myself credit for that. But I think I, I do deserve some credit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> go ahead, go ahead.
0: Because, uh, because of me, you were introduced to a lot of books. That's
1: right, you're right.
0: Okay, so please... <laughs> Um, no, 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 I'm just being fine. That was that was the only thing I could share with you. You know, I could share with you my books. I you could see me reading until late at night. You could see me having conversations with my colleagues from the PhD program. And um, I think that's why you got hungry for books, hungry for words. And I see that part of me.
1: Do you remember me asking you for a college fund in elementary school? <laughs>
0: Mijo, if I'm nine years old, <laughs> what I will still remember that. We were in the kitchen. <laughs> we were going to have dinner. You were about eight, seven. And then you said, Mom, do I have a college fund? I looked at you with this big, big, wide-open eyes. And I said, cabron, me el favor. We barely have money to eat hot dogs, and you'd want me to have a college fund for you. And I said, where did you get that idea? And you very innocent. You said, mom everybody at school were talking about college fund. I just wanted to know if I have one. Ay, mijo. But I totally understand. You wanted to find out why would you, wouldn't you have a college fund when everybody was talking like like having a pair of tennis shoes. You know, that was... everybody. Everybody's conversation was so normal. But no... Our conversations were different. They were not about college fund. They were about survival. And, you know, we had enough uh, food stamps to go and eat and buy the food. But it, it, it was cute. I never forget that.
1: What parts about me inspire you?
0: You know, when you turn your life around, to me, that was a sign of endurance, perseverance, perseverance, that was such a powerful moment. I knew that you were going to go far because you made the decision to change your life.
1: The reason why I changed my life around is because like at 14, 14 and a half, almost 15, right? Like I understood that you made so many sacrifices for me. And I felt like the path that I was going down, you know, I was either going to be dead or in jail. But I also thought about you and I thought about how you felt at 14 and 15 when you came to this country. We were the same age, essentially, right? And so for me, it was really important, you know, to, to think, wow, my mom was, was 14, 15 when she came to LA and I'm 14, 15 now. You know, and what am I doing? I felt like I was like throwing it all away.
0: It's very nice how you compared your age at that age when I came to the United States. That's really nice. I never thought about that.
1: Did you ever want to leave LA?
0: No. When I compared with the life that I could have had in Mexico, in my hometown, I feel that I'm wealthy here. I I have everything. I have a car, I have a house, I have a job, I have a family, I have friends. I, you know, I could go to the stores and I don't have to be uh, super wealthy to buy me things. In Mexico, I would have to be really wealthy to go to the stores. The fact that I have options makes me feel powerful.
1: What kind of options are you talking about?
0: I'm talking about economic options. I'm talking about job options.
1: How do you feel about where LA is now?
0: I wish I could see more, more like what's going on right now with the protest. I wish those things could be implemented. The police doesn't have to treat us bad just because we have a different skin color. So it's different now, very different.
1: Do you still think about the comic book Archie?
0: Of course. It's cute. And sometimes when I want to laugh, I think of Beverly Hills because Beverly Hills was represented in that comic book. It was not South Central. It was not La Puente. It was not Whittier. It was not... No it was Beverly Hills with those big mansions so yes i still think about that so when i want to laugh i think that oh beverly hills it's archie
1: has your idea about archie changed over the years
0: yes of course look where i live it's <laughs> not
1: not in Beverly Hills.
0: It's not Beverly Hills. I don't have any. We don't have any big mansions on, you know, uh, with big walls around the houses. No, of course. This is the reality. This is my reality. Sorry.
1: It's our Beverly Hills, right?
0: Yes, this is our Beverly Hills. <laughs>
1: What's up, Mom? The older I get, the more I realize what it took to raise me. You had to wear so many different hats, and sometimes you wore them all at once. You were mom, friend, big sister, mentor, father, and so much more. There wasn't a handbook that we followed, and it felt like we were both growing up at the same time, learning from our mistakes and cherishing our small victories. Sometimes, I think back to those Friday nights. The ones we used to stay up late watching the X-Files and eating pizza. I really miss them. Or I think about the old white Volvo we used to have. The one that was full of my toys. The same one I used to ask you to drop me off two blocks away from school because I was embarrassed of how old our car looked. Mom, I'm really sorry I was embarrassed. There was nothing to ever be ashamed about. The West Side often felt like a distant world and full of strangers who didn't look like us. I really miss my friends, Alex, Brian, Matthew and the rest of our family. I've never told you this, but sometimes I used to cry at night, wishing we had never left. I felt really alone, but I always had you, and we had each other. At this age, it's even harder to comprehend what having a child in my early twenties would feel like. I don't know how you did it. Some of your classmates went home for the summer or had internships. But you had me. I now see what you did. And more importantly, your why. I'm so thankful that, in this lifetime, we were able to call each other mother and son. I'm really thankful you chose to come here. Because without LA, there is no me. Thank you, Mama. I love you. Elizabeth Nakano was the lead producer for this episode. Supporting producer Tamika Adams. Our editor is Arwen Nix. Our engineer is Valentino Rivera. Original music by Andrew Epin. Our senior producer is Megan Tan. Executive producer is Angela Bromstad. This episode was written by me, with help from Elizabeth Nakano and Arwen Nix. Before we end the series, there are a lot of people involved in making something like this. The list is long, so here we go. A huge thank you to Associate Producer Tamika Adams, Producer Elizabeth Nakano, Senior Producer Megan Tan, and our editor, Arwen Nix. Every episode was mixed and engineered by Valentino Rivera. Original music is by Andrew Epen. Angela Bromstad is our Executive Producer. Our website was designed by Andy Cheatwood and the marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Our episode artwork by Theo Lambert. Our show artwork by Leo Gomez, Kristen Hayford, and myself. The team at Alias Studios includes Kristen Hayford, Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Muller, and Leo Gomez. Our website is alias.com forward slash California Love. California Love is a production of Alias Studios. I'm your host, Walter Thompson Hernandez. A huge thank you to my friends and family whose voices and sounds can be heard throughout this show. When I first thought about making this show, I was thinking about you. I appreciate you more than you may know.